Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. That wasn't the expectations for the 2022 Broncos when they traded and got Russell Wilson. That's not it. Like, we're not supposed to be the Denver Lions. Like, we're not the Detroit Lions, John. Where we're learning how to win, we're learning how to coach. Like, that wasn't the plan coming into this. Like, was that ever the message in the preseason, in the summer? Was George Payton coming on the mic and saying, guys, we, we're really going to have to learn how to win this year. It's, we're really going to have to be patient. We might start, we're going to work it. We might be three and five by the, no, 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 that wasn't it. We were here. People were talking AFC championship with this team. Broncos GM George Payton spoke to reporters in London before that game against the Jaguars. Said a few interesting things, noteworthy things, maybe a couple things that got us a little annoyed. It was something that got me really irritated. We'll get to that here coming up in just a little bit. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome into the show and thanks for joining us. Ryan O'Leary here, excited to be breaking down a Broncos win for a change, along with my friend John Heath, who is joining us from uh, international parts unknown, right, John? Like, how was London, Wembley Stadium, and how's your little trip gone so far? Uh, the trip has been awesome. Wembley was really cool to experience. It, it's a massive stadium. I think it was like 81,000 attendants and just London was pretty cool. A lot of Broncos fans. Uh, it, yeah, there was a lot of Broncos fans, but all the London games, it, it seems like a large majority of the fans there is just a hodgepodge of all kinds of – like literally every single NFL team is represented just because not every NFL team gets over there. Yeah, And so it's, it's just a chance for them to go watch regular season NFL football, which is pretty cool. But it seemed to me that it was like 20% Jaguars fans, 20% Broncos fans – and like 60% just random NFL teams. And that it, it was kind of interesting because it like the Jags were the quote home team and they've played home games in London for like however many years now, and they will continue to play more games in London. So they're trying to like establish the Jaguars as a London team, but it's hard for them when a majority of the people there aren't Jaguars fans. Cause they like on the scoreboard, it, they'll try to like get fans to start chanting like defense or make some noise or something. And the 20% Jaguars fans out of 80,000 fans, like they'll make some noise, but it doesn't do that much in that big of a stadium. And it's also kind of funny cause not to dunk on like European NFL fans, but they're, their NFL uh, game awareness was kind of funny because uh, like the board would, the Broncos would be facing like a third down going into their huddle and the board would flash like defense, defense. <laughs> and, the, and the fans would like chant defense, defense. And then the board would stop as the Broncos are like mid huddle. And then the chant would stop. Yeah. We got to so quiet down for the like, offense. Everybody it calm would down. Get their play. It would get their play in quiet. The Broncos get up to line quiet. Russell Wilson snaps the ball quiet. It's like, okay, the board stopped, but you're supposed to keep that going. And, and even the board, it would say like quiet offense is at work when the Jaguars had the ball and they'd still be like cheering for them and stuff. So just their, their situational cheering, like 
Peyton Manning would not have been happy if the Broncos ever were a home team in London and that stuff kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, it's just like when you travel abroad like that, just like the 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 way people talk, that they're different sayings and words for different things we're used to, and the way yeah, the way they act during the it's like it's perfect. Yeah, sixty percent of that stadium was filled of uh, soccer fans who were watching football for a day. Right, that's really what it was. So yeah, uh, I- so fun. I think there were plenty of people there that it was just it was a cool thing to do and an NFL an NFL game so you go check it out because you live in London or in the general area and you don't have allegiance to any team and maybe not even allegiance to the NFL but they they do have a ton of NFL fans so there were a ton of football fans there and a bunch of Broncos fans and a bunch of Jags fans but just the majority of the stadium wants in polling for either team I don't think Well John I know you'd like to thank the Broncos and the NFL for scheduling the bye week right after this game against the Jaguars in London so you can have a nice little vacation, right? It's been perfect timing for you. Yeah, that worked out really <laughs> nice. I, I love that. I And it's every team that plays in London. I, it'd be crazy to me to not have your bye right after that. It just, it works out well. And it worked out really nice for me too. Yeah, I know you were saying like they might move, maybe they're down the road. They think maybe could Jacksonville's home could Jacksonville be in London could that be there I don't think anyone would miss Jacksonville if we moved them to London but the logistics <laughs> not even Jacksonville yeah, that much. yeah the, but the logistics of it would be tough uh so you're hearing the voice of John he's the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire that's really a one-stop shop for all things Denver even when John's traveling around Europe there's still all kinds of content up on Broncos Wire if you like Broncos football that site is really the place to be and if you like what you hear on this podcast just do us a favor and hit subscribe I actually subscribe to our show on Spotify. It's like a perfect little platform for me. That's how I consume all my podcasts. Uh, So whatever works best for you, we appreciate you, the listener, so much. And uh, with that, John, let's dive right in. I want to start with George Payton, and we're going to get into analysis on the game. We're we're not really going to talk much trade deadline because we're talking on Monday. Uh, So trade deadline stuff is going to come uh, down the road. And then next week, we'll talk about the trade deadline in depth, what the Broncos do or don't do. Uh, But I want to start with George Payton. He took questions in London. Uh, you know, he, he talked about the two and five start, all the heat that the new head coach has been under. Let's take a listen. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, the results aren't there. Obviously not good enough, uh, two and five. And uh, we all need to get better. And, and it starts with me. And uh, But I do believe in this football team. I do believe in the people in our building, our coaching staff, that uh, we can turn it around. It's only only seven games. Obviously, we've been in every game, and that's not what it's all about. It's about winning games and and uh, we need to learn how to win football games. We haven't done that. You still have confidence in Coach Hackett? I know it's early, but he's getting a lot of criticism more than I've seen for most of a first-year head coach. Yeah, I believe in Nathaniel. You know, he, uh, I support Nathaniel 100%. Um, he's been in this seven games you know, as a head coach. Uh, the scrutiny he's, he's faced is, is unprecedented. You know, we've had four primetime games, so he's kind of had to learn in front of the entire world. Um, but I really like how uh, the team, he's, he's, he's kept the team together. He's, they're connected. He's kept our building together. Um, and I appreciate how he's, he's fought through that. So there's George Payton, John. Uh, he said a few things that were interesting. I don't think he dropped any like bombs that, you know, were like, oh, big headline here. George Payton said this or that. Like, it's not like he's in, he's out there being like, hey, I want to thank all you media folk for coming out here. We're really excited to be playing a historic Wembley Stadium. Thanks you to the NFL. And yes, if Nathaniel Hackett loses this game, he's fired. No, no, of course that wasn't going to happen. So uh, I know fans are having some fun with that on Twitter. No, that was never going to happen, guys. But he did say a few things like 
hey, we have to get better, and it starts with me. So George Payton took some ownership, John, of that. I kind of like that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago on the show. We actually brought George Payton up in a negative light for a change and said, look, uh, you know, he made these decisions. So he took some of the onus. I like that. You know, he talked about how they have to learn how to win football games, and we haven't done that. Obviously, the the two and five start now; they're three and five. But uh, you know, that whole concept of learning how to win—that's another storyline that's been going on with the team. And of course, he he throws his weight behind the head coach Nathaniel Hackett. Not surprised there. But some of the things he said was interesting, right, John? He said the scrutiny he's faced is unprecedented. He said we've had four primetime games, so he's kind of had to learn in front of the entire world. So I did think he said, uh, you know, a few interesting things about the head coach. What were you thinking listening to the those audio clips? When he said that uh, the scrutiny face has been unprecedented, my eyebrow raised like, really? Like, <laughs> there's never been a, a head coach that's faced a lot of scrutiny for doing an absolutely terrible job to begin his tenure. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think the NFL is so big. And you're in a big market with tons of media like there. There's tons of eyes on the Broncos and the spotlights on them. And like you said, yeah, you got four primetime games like no matter who the coach was, people are going to be paying attention and you're going to get criticized when the results haven't been good enough. So I don't know about that, that it's unprecedented scrutiny implying that like it's like just somewhat unwarranted. I don't agree with that, but I, I'm with you that I appreciate that he took some responsibility for it because like you said he he some of the accountability does fall on him but also like you said it's not surprising at all that he backed him like that's what he's got to do publicly yeah no no if if Nathaniel doesn't doesn't coach well in this game when we lose guys he's fired no he's not (laughs) gonna say that uh yeah that that line the one that really drove me crazy John you're not gonna be surprised because you listen to me do this almost every week when I do my rants about Nathaniel Hackett when he said that we've had four primetime games, and let's just listen to it one more time. Um, he's been in this seven games, you know, as a head coach. Uh, the scrutiny he's, he's faced is, is unprecedented. You know, we've had four primetime games, so he's kind of had to learn in front of the entire world. He's had to learn in front of the entire world. And this is, again, John, I'm, my, my blood pressure is rising as I'm listening to that. Again, we're not here to watch Nathaniel Hackett learn to be a head coach for not like when your hiring committee conducts a comprehensive search to find your next head coach of the Broncos, John, we expect you to hire the next head coach, the guy who's ready to be a head coach, the guy that's ready to roll. Like we're not, it's not for the head coach in training where we're all supposed to sit idly by preach words of encouragement. Uh, We can't give them scrutiny, John, like you just said, right? Like preach words of encouragement while our trainee kind of fumbles and stumbles his way through the first seven games into the bye week, eight games into the bye week. But, you know, he's just learning. We got to stay patient. No, no, no. That's not real life. That's not the business of the NFL. That wasn't the expectations for the 2022 Broncos when they traded and got Russell Wilson. That's not it. Like we're not supposed to be the Denver Lions, like the, we're not the Detroit Lions, John, where we're learning how to win. We're learning how to coach. Like that wasn't the plan coming into this. Like, was that ever the message in the preseason in the summer? Was George Payton coming on the mic and saying, guys, we we're really going to have to learn how to win this year. It's, we're really going to have to be patient. We might start. We're going to work. We might be three and five by the. No, no, no. That wasn't it. We were here. People were talking AFC championship with this team. So, I mean, it's it really has to this point. It's been an organization-wide failure to to see the struggles of this offense because we're not supposed to be watching the head coach learn. If they hired a guy that wasn't ready, and now George Payton appears to be admitting to that, John, 
that crawls right up my backside again. It gets me all hot and bothered. And I find that to be a failure on the whole committee and Peyton and all of them. Because he just didn't he just admit that the head coach is learning on the fly here and he's learning and he's not ready to go and like we're waiting for him to get up to speed. Like, isn't that what he just said? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of an excuse again. And I think it's a little bit of the spin zone again, because like you said, beginning of the season, this once in the spin at the beginning of the year, the, at the beginning before the season started, it, it was the high expectations, the promising coach, the franchise quarterback, and it's all coming together. And now that it's falling apart, it, the spin zone is, well, of course, like this is a, a new coach and it's going to take time. And I thought it was funny before the Jets game, I did not think it was a coincidence. I thought it was pretty intentional. Hackett was taught or asked about um, what is his name? The Jets coach. Is it Robert Sala? Sala, yep. He he was asked about him and uh, like how the the Jets started the year pretty well and what he thought about the coach and stuff. And Hackett was like, yeah, I thought he did a really great job. They started out really rough for a little while there. Was it two years? Is, is this his third year now? And they're doing really good. And someone was like, oh, this job. is his second year. And Hackett was like, oh, oh, in his second year. Yeah, yeah. After starting out really rough, yeah, they, they got it turned around. He did a really good job. And I was like, hmm. I like I, Hackett played it up like he didn't really know. But I, to me, I wouldn't be surprised if that was intentional, just like a little hint. Like, hey, guys, look at this team. Like, it started out rough, and then it got better. So let's have that be our spin. And then Peyton's kind of jumping on board with that. And that's just connecting the dots no evidence of anything like that but i agree with you that it's it's just it's really excuse making and and i i do agree that he does get some time to iron out some things new coach new players new coach everything like yeah preseason uh september we're we're going on november we're we're going on november 1st the broncos come out of their bye week in week 10 like this is who you are now like, you're not, uh, how much better are we like, we hope the worst football, of the Broncos is behind us, but you around Thanksgiving, John, you really are what you are, right? Like, you're not like that. You've kind of identified yourself now. So yeah, that, that is really annoying. And so I, I did, I, while you're talking, John, I took a sip of water. I've calmed myself down a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, I, and I was watching, so I watched Sunday was kind of fun. Cause I got to watch the Broncos London game in the morning. And then at night I got to watch that bills Packers game. And it just got me thinking like Rogers, Wilson, Green Bay, Denver. There's a lot of connections between this. And I was like, you know, I went back. I'm like, what was the timeline? So the Broncos hire Nathaniel Hackett on January 27th. And then the Broncos trade for Russell Wilson in mid-March. So I'm like, when was Rogers? When was that big extension announced with him in Green Bay? It was literally like either the day after or like the same day. It was like right there, right? Right in the same time that the trade for Russell Wilson was announced was when the Packers announced their huge extension with Aaron Rodgers. And it just got me thinking like, you know what? The Broncos probably hired Hackett in January banking on making this move for Rodgers who hates green Bay and wanted out and all this stuff. Devonte Adams is moving on, whatever. Like Rodgers was probably supposed to be a Bronco with Hackett. And if he was the guy and he knows the offense and Hackett's comfortable with Rodgers and the implementation of that they're struggling with here, wouldn't have been such a big deal. Man, the Broncos might be five and three now or something different. You know what I mean? It might be flipped. They might be one of the best teams in the AFC. We might be calling Hackett a genius on here every week. Like, I wonder if they got their guy, you know, and like they're struggling a little bit more when they went to if it was plan B, which is, you know, conjecture. I don't know that. But if it was plan B to go to Russell Wilson and do that trade with Seattle, 
if they're struggling more than they thought they would be to get a different quarterback in here other than Rodgers, who was Hackett's guy that he loved and knew his offense. Uh, I was just thinking about that Sunday night. I wanted to get your take on it. Yeah, I think a lot of people have connected those dots and and the timing of when Rodgers announced or the, the news broke however it happened that well, Rodgers was I mean, going to stay with the Packers same day, right so John? Sh- same time. Yeah. Just so shortly after that. But there were credible people like I think Adam Schefter. It wasn't just like the team like saying themselves. There were credible people that reported that the trade had been in the works for a couple weeks before that. So it, it wasn't like Rogers decision happened and then boom, then they did the trade. They had been working through it, but they may like, we may not know that maybe Rogers told them a couple weeks and just the announcement didn't come out until a few weeks later. So yeah, I, I think it's fair to connect those dots. And I think a lot of people have, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was plan a and Wilson was plan B, but at the time I wasn't mad about that. Cause if you can't get Rodgers, Wilson is a fantastic fallback. And in some ways, maybe even a better option just in terms of his age. Like I, I'm thinking he's going to be able to play much longer than yes. Rodgers. If, if his body holds up and if his play picks up a little bit more than it has been this year. So I, I wasn't mad about it. I'm still not mad about it. And I, I think it's been a, a rough first half of the season, but we've seen some flashes and now they got a buy to work out some more things and maybe he'll get better in the second half of the season. But I do think that he, he definitely could have been plan B for them this spring. And it is what it is. You know, there's nothing that can be done about that. No, no. Russell Wilson's a quarterback. Now it is what it is, John. Right. And you're right. We have seen flashes. The whole offense showed flashes. Uh, Sandwiched between some just incompetent football, but we have seen flashes, these (laughs) drives of brilliance. We're going to get into that and break down the Jags win uh, right after this. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number nine. Tennessee is one of the few sources for a viable streaming option in a week with six teams on bye. There just isn't a great pool to deal with here on most waiver wires. Tannehill sat last week with an ankle injury and illness, but he has a good chance to return this week. Kansas City offers the best matchup of the slate in week nine, and over the last five games, quarterbacks have averaged 27.5 fantasy points. That's 38.4% higher than the league average over that time. Every quarterback but Matt Ryan has gone into the 20-plus point territory against the Chiefs. And in the event rookie Malik Willis has to start, he's a risk-reward play here that could be in some lineups. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Detroit Lions. No matter how many handles Dillon has seen since week one's 20.1 point fantasy teaser, the results just haven't been there. He hasn't made it back into double-digit PPR points in seven straight games, and he has not scored since week one. If there were ever a week in which Dillon warranted a lineup gamble, this opportunity is worth testing it out. Detroit has given up the third most rushing yards and eighth highest scoring frequency to the position in the last five weeks. Six teams being on their bye amplifies the worthiness of this dice roll. Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Los Angeles Chargers. This is another risky one. Five weeks in a row without a touchdown and no more than 7.5 PPR points has made London basically unplayable. The Chargers return from a bye week without their best cornerback who was lost for the year. The matchup is statistically low-volume TD-dependent in his profile. London has the best chance in several weeks of returning to the end zone, though he is a risky play based on limited counting stats and a run-heavy offense. Robert Tunyon, tight end, Green Bay Packers at Detroit Lions. We're going back to the well here one more time for this matchup. Five receptions a week ago resulted in just 35 
five yards and no scores, extending Tunyon's lack of touchdowns to four straight outings. He should snap that skid with a trip to Motown to rough up a defense that has given up a score to tight ends every five and a half catches over the last five weeks, and only the Raiders have been weaker at defending the position. Tunyon should be among the best streaming options of the week in which gamers will be scrambling for help. This has all of the hallmarks of a get-right game for the struggling Packers. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. I work the phones a lot, you know, and then they call. We, you know, I talk to GMs, you know, all the time. So we do have received calls. Um, obviously nothing imminent. Um, you know, we're going to do whatever's best for this football team. And uh, we do like our players. You know, we're not, we're not in the mode of getting rid of our, our really good players. You're not a seller? We're going to do what's best for the team. Okay. Yeah. We'll do last one, Brandon. We we really like our players, John. We're not in the mode of getting rid of them. Okay, so you so you're not going to be sellers. Uh, we'll do what's best <laughs> for the team. So yeah, we are. We're all waiting a lot. John and I are also waiting to see what the Broncos do at the deadline. Again, we're recording this one on a Monday. John's recording from parts unknown out in Europe. So uh, we'll get back on here next week to break down whatever the Broncos do, uh, whether we like it, hate it, whether they do something or nothing at the trade deadline. We'll break all of that down <laughs> next week. Uh, but, you know, given the current state of the AFC, which is something we'll also get into next week, I don't, I don't know. The Broncos, even at three and five, John, not really out of it. Not really out of it. I'm looking around. And I'm like, man, this just there's a lot of teams that are down just like the Broncos are. But it would be a lot worse to be two and six going into the bye week. And that'd be a much longer flight home from Europe for the Broncos and for you if the Broncos would have lost this game. And I was thinking about you, John, early on. I got my coffee. I'm on the couch. I'm ready for this game. I'm like, let's go. And Wilson promptly throws a bad interception <laughs> targeting Sutton and the camera bless them out. And, you know, whoever, you know, the broadcast crew bless them because they cut immediately to Hackett's face. And I know you couldn't see this, John, because you're at the game. He was just blankly staring off into the abyss. Like just Hackett's, and they, they kept it on his face for like two or three seconds. And I'm just like, what is Hackett thinking right now? I was like laughing. I'm like, he's probably thinking, uh, Will Green Bay please take me back? Will they take me back as like the tight ends coach or something, please? Like, I don't know. Just like what a moment that was. Uh, was not a good start for Denver. What was your thought there when, when Wilson threw that bad pick? And it's just like, oh, here we go again. Jacksonville marches right down, takes the lead. It's like, oh, no, no, not this again. Yeah, it was so awful because he stared him down the whole way. And the whole way, the corner was in position just watching. I'm like, the corner's watching him. He's watching the corner right with the receiver. And I guess he had confidence in his receiver. But 
it wasn't even a good throw. Like you didn't even give him an opportunity to go up and win it. It was just, it was a bad throw, a bad decision, really well covered. And he, again, he was so locked in. Like, I feel like a lot of the problems Wilson has had this year is he gets locked into his preferred guy, preferred option before the, pl- before the snap. And a lot of times it's Cortland Sutton. And when it's not there, he just tries to force it instead of coming off and, you know, go, going through his reads and it's not that he can't because there are plenty of times that he does it just that kind of thing pops up way more often than you would want or expect from a quarterback with his experience and his pedigree so yeah when that happened i was like oh my goodness i was like wilson's playing <laughs> I was thinking injured. About you, John. like the i was like is this gonna be like a ugly 24 to nothing game and like just everything's miserable but but thankfully the defense is so good and the offense had a, a enough spark plays that and maybe also the Jaguars are so bad that it in the end, the interception didn't decide the game. I mean, the, the Jaguars have so much freaking talent. Like, what do you think about their young running back there? ETN? That guy is freaking awesome. Like he was giving yeah, Denver like all kinds of problems. They have talent all over the field. They just have no clue how to finish games. That's been the Jags yeah. problem all year. And I guess that's been Denver's problem too, but they were better at it in this one. They had a chance to win it at the end and they did good for Denver. But John, I mean, it started off horribly. Like it was a bad start and Jacksonville was right there again to go up 14, nothing. I mean, down 14, nothing. I don't know if, if the Broncos have enough juice to come back and win that game. I mean, Justin Simmons, if he didn't intercept that ball in the end zone, like horrible play by Trevor Lawrence. Thank, thank you, Trevor. I mean, thank God you did that. Wasn't it on first and goal or something too? It was just horrible. Uh, so thank God yeah. Justin Simmons in the defense forced that turnover or else you're down 14 nothing. The game might be over at halftime with the way that team is playing, the way that could that, that offense is playing for Denver, the way it spirals. It, Hackett's probably uh, pooping himself, thinking he's going to get fired. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's like all of that. Uh, Justin Simmons might have saved the whole season. He might have saved Hackett's job, John, because like we were just saying before the break, Hackett's breathing a lot easier. Like he's having dinner with his family on the bye week. Like, oh man, you know, he's he's like enjoying himself a little bit more than if they lose this game 24 nothing, like you were just kind of saying. Justin Simmons, thank you. Yeah, game ball to you. That was a huge play. Yeah, big time. And that's just, that's why they paid Justin Simmons. Uh, yes. The last few years, he's, he's had like five interception seasons the last few years in a row. He's one of the best ball hawking safeties in the league. And he he's just a stud. Him and Pat Sertan having Sertan down on the outside as a corner and Simmons in the back end at safety. It's just a phenomenal pairing in the secondary. And I totally agree with you that that swings the game. I agree that if they go down 14 nothing, it just the way things were going and the way momentum was going, it felt like that was going to be hard to overcome. And that just changed everything. And once again, it's the defense carrying them. And put them putting them in position to even have a chance because if it was up to the offense, that wouldn't have been a close game and it wouldn't have been a win for Denver. The defense carried them, which has been really the case for years. Yeah. Yeah. And even at the end of the game, it's like offense. Don't worry about the time on the clock. Just get a touchdown. Just get the lead and let the defense finish the game. It was like a per- <laughs> yeah. it worked out perfectly. But we've been seeing like you alluded to this in the previous segment, John, the offense has had these sprinkles of brilliance like these like and they're usually like not just a play it's like a whole drive like that drive to start the second half that i would call it the greg dulcich drive right where greg dulcich started catching like 40 yard passes left and right like he was running those seam routes like he ran one seam route right up the middle where you know a lot of tight ends are afraid to run that route that's the route that 
Rob Gronkowski made famous, just running right down that seam, and you get the ball, and usually you get hit in the knee by the safety. That's usually what happens. Yeah. But Dulcich is so fast, he's got great hands. Like, he outran the safety. Uh, so, all of a sudden, Dulcich is out here catching balls. Like, the Broncos look great. They run right, right down the field. They score. They take the lead. And then it's like, all right, we got something going here. And then it's like, three and out, three and out, three and out, third and a million, third and a million. It's like, what the hell? You know, it's like, it's these, like, these flashes of brilliance, these drives of brilliance, Sean, the, the Dulcich drive, the, the, ga- the drive at the end where Murray punched it in after the long ball to KJ Hamler when the Broncos took the lead in the final two minutes. Like, a brilliant little drive, what, something that we expected all along, like Hamler, the deep threat. Wilson puts it on him. Like, this is what we expected to see. It's those flashes that we're holding on to as fans right now because sprinkled in between these brilliant drives are just, it's like at times incompetent football, like third and 17, three and out, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And, and that's what happened after they took the lead to start the second half. It went three and out on three consecutive drives. And of course, no matter how good your defense is, the other team figures out the score a touchdown and now you're down again. So, uh, but we're holding on to those those drives of brilliance here in the bye week, right, John? We're just, can you please just figure out a way to make it more consistent? Yeah, exactly. It's that consistency. And I think the biggest thing preventing that consistency is just the self-inflicted wounds. Like you said, the false starts on the offensive lineman puts you back 10, and then you end up in a third and 17. It just, the, the bonehead penalties, and just the offensive line getting absolutely blown up and Wilson getting sacked and like, a handful, at least one time, Wilson, there was nothing he could have done about it. Just the blocking was so awful and they were there. So just things like the line not being good enough, the the offensive lineman jumping. Really, now that I'm saying this, I think the offensive line is probably a big part of it. And during the game, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, not to dump on him, but he went down with an injury. And Graham Gra- Glasgow uh, he's a guard, but he has plenty of experience playing center. He was a starting center with the Lions. He went in, and I thought he did very good at center. And I also thought the line overall looked better when he was in there at center. And again, like not to dump on Cushenberry, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Glasgow is now the center for the second half of the season, even when Cushenberry comes back from his injury. And, you know, offensive line that's so key and like center that's so key if if he's better communicating with the guards and just working better with those two interior guys because the tackles have just like Garrett Bowles is out Billy Turner he finally yeah yeah, it like the whole offensive line has been such a mess but it the interior just sometimes it's just a guy comes blowing up right through the middle and there's nothing Wilson can do about it maybe now with uh, Kush, or Glasgow in now. Maybe the interior will be uh, patched up. And then the tackles, maybe Wilson can, you know, elude an edge rusher a little better than having a nose tackle in his face and not being able to get outside. So I think the offensive line has been uh, the root of a lot of the offensive struggles. And maybe now if they make a change at tackle. And maybe if Billy Turner clicks at right tackle now that it seems like he's fully healthy maybe that will get a little better in the second half of the season. Yeah, offensive line's huge, and it's it's something to watch. Uh, you know, another thought by me just on Dulcich. Uh, I love this kid, and I think yep. he's uh, it's been really impressive the way he's been able to just, like, jump in and, and yep. full speed with the offense. And I I think in fan, like we just got our fantasy minute there from the huddle.com in the break, and I think he's a top 10 fantasy play. Dulcich, like if he's somehow available in your fantasy leagues, folks, oh, like yeah, you got to get Greg Dulcich and you got to start him. Like, start him. 
Like I've been sitting here. I thought I had tight end all figured out in one of my leagues. I had Darren Waller. No, no, no. Like Greg Dulcich is now my <laughs> tight end one. I picked this guy up. I started him this week and I was like, yeah, Greg Dulcich in the second half. So yeah, so Greg Dulcich is like great draft pick and a pickup in fantasy that you should go uh, and grab. Um, now, John, let's get a couple thoughts from you. Uh, you noticed Latavius Murray operating as the running back one there on the game winning drive that piqued your interest and he did score that touchdown and did not fumble. And uh, <laughs> another thing you noticed was Russell Wilson moving around pretty well on that bad hamstring, right? He, he scrambled a little bit and they did some short yardage QB sneaks with him. Yeah. Uh, on Murray there, there have been multiple times we've talked about when the game's been on the line and Melvin Gordon's fumbled and we get on the podcast and rant about it and, just talk about how, you know, it happens over and over. How can you trust him? Give the ball to Javante Williams or whatever. Sorry, Melvin. And now, now Javante Williams is not an option. So uh, it's Latavius Murray. And I think this is just a sign that they really trust Latavius Murray. And Hackett is clearly comfortable with him. He's a proven vet. He has a much better fumble rate. He hasn't fumbled for the Broncos. And Melvin Gordon has many times. And it's funny also for Murray because he just scored in London a couple of weeks ago with the Saints. So now he has two rushing touchdowns with he two different London. teams. <laughs> and yeah, he, he loves going over there. So maybe this offseason he'll sign with the Jaguars so he can go back next year. But yeah, I, I just think that that might be a sign that Gordon, he's still going to be involved uh, pending the trade deadline as we record on Monday. But I don't think he's going anywhere. He's going to still be involved. But I, I think he's not the when the game's on the line, he's the one in the backfield. He's the one you're trusting to punch it in and, and win the game or clinch the game for you. I think they could be trending toward moving that role to Murray. And I like that because, he, like I said, he has a much better fumble rate. He's a proven guy. He's a very capable running back. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think anybody thinks they're re-signing Melvin Gordon next year. I think this is Gordon's next year or last year. Next year, it's going to be Javante Williams, and maybe they draft someone to be the number two. Yep, I'm with you. I think uh, I think Murray is is you know he should be your running back one uh, going forward. So coming up next, we're going to say goodbye to John and wish him well on the rest of his vacation during the bye week as he travels throughout Europe. Uh, but first, let's get a uh, play of the week from the Bet Slippin Podcast. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello everyone, this is Nathan with the Bet Slipping Podcast. Be sure to check us out and our sportsbook for our Tipico Sportsbook out. Tipico is a fast and easy global sports betting leader and is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting and new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. You have to be 21 plus and you can see the site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That said, the game of the week is the Baltimore Ravens at the New Orleans Saints, and the way to play this game is the under 48.5. The Saints are coming into this game with the league's worst turnover margin, while the Ravens rank 22nd in plays per game. This should be a slow game with the Saints' strength in the run game, countering the Ravens' main weapon offensively, Lamar Jackson. Demario Davis is also the perfect linebacker to tame Jackson. And similarly, the Saints will be going against one of the best secondaries in the league and should struggle to move the ball quickly. Play the under 48 and a half. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. 
See Tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. Another point we want to get to there, John, right before we hit the break, but we figured we'll just do it now. Um, Wilson, he was moving around pretty well on that bulky hamstring. Uh, that piqued your interest, and it also piqued mine watching it, John. I was laughing. I did that. I did that little thing in our previous episode where I brought up a conspiracy theory that you basically shot down. You weren't playing ball with this conspiracy theory, John. How dare you? As I said last week, uh, when I said maybe they're just maybe the hamstring's not that bad. Maybe they just want to give him a mental break and start Brett Rippon for one week, and let, yeah, maybe the hamstring's something. But I think Wilson could definitely play through it, and maybe they just think, dude. Take a break. Take a chill pill. Take some mental reps, and then we'll we'll you know send you loose in London. And I don't know, John. I was thinking, man, he's moving pretty well on that horrible hamstring injury he had. I don't know. There might be something to that co- that uh, that conspiracy theory I came up with. Yeah, I I still think they just wanted to play it safe and wanted to give him a week, and maybe a week is exactly what he needed, and just really. And I bet his hamstrings probably really sore this week, and it, but now he's got a whole buy to rest and recover some more. But I thought the play calling was so interesting that they gave him two QB sneaks. And the week before that, when Wilson once in available, Brett Rippon did two QB sneaks. And before that, the previous, what was it? Five games. Wilson didn't do one QB sneak. And there was multiple times when it was like third and one, fourth and one, or even inches. And they're like in shotgun doing a pass <laughs> or shotgun doing a, a running back to a tailback. Exactly. And I'm just like, why are you not doing a QB sneak? And, and so it either took them this long for Hackett to figure out that that's something they can do with their quarterback or early in the season, he just wanted to protect Wilson and didn't want to risk injuring him. And last week, Brett Rippon, they're just, okay, who cares if he gets hurt? We're going to do a QB sneak. But then this week, they Wilson coming off a hamstring injury, he's out there doing QB sneaks. And like you said, he was moving around. So I don't know, like maybe it just, took that long for it to click for Hackett that that's a a play they can be utilizing and whatever the case is for why it took that long I'm glad that they got to it because I think it's it's a such a high percentage play and Wilson I think he is his best when he is comfortable enough to run around and move around not not just a QB sneak that's just a dive but he he had multiple runs in the game and like that's when he's at his best and when the game's on the line like it was in the fourth quarter, I thought he did a really good job. And there was a situation earlier this year. I'm so turned around right now. I have such uh, plain fog, but I think <laughs> it was the 49ers game. One of the games, he led a, a game-winning drive as well earlier this season. And he has, I think, the second most game-winning drives in the NFL since he came into the league. So he is a clutch quarterback for all his struggles this year. He can turn it on when it counts. He, he, he's a gamer. And I think he is a winner. So that's a positive. And whether he was really that banged up last week or whether they wanted to give him a mental break, I don't know. But I really think if they thought they could have uh, played him without much risk, they would have. Yeah, no, I loved I loved your take. Yeah, we don't we don't care about Brett Rippon injury. Like, little QB sneak. <laughs> and then Nathaniel Hackett did it. And he's like, ooh, I, I like that little QB sneak. That's a good way to get a first down. It's like, yes, thank you, Nathaniel. Thank you. So again, let's let's iron all this stuff out, you know, in, in the bye week. Okay, you're feeling a little bit better about yourself. You won a ball game. You're three and five. And oh, by the way, John, you're still right in it because the AFC kind of blows when you look at it. So does the NFC. The entire league. It's like there's not. It's kind of been a weird season. There's not a lot of teams like Buffalo and Philly out there. They're few and far between. So yeah, the Broncos are down this year. 
Hopefully their worst football is behind them. But I think about 75% of the league is down with the Broncos. And I was literally yeah. doing this exercise before we came on. Before we hopped on here, I was like, what teams are definitely better than the Broncos in the AFC? And I'm just like, Bills, Chiefs, definitely. Titans, Ravens, probably. Right now, yes. Dolphins, Bengals, uh, questionable. And then there's a just a bunch of teams that are in the Broncos weight class, like Chargers, Jets, Patriots, Colts, Browns, Raiders. Like I, seven teams make the playoffs, people. And I don't know if there's seven teams better. Definitely, there's definitely not seven definitely better than the Broncos, John. So uh, I'm just hoping they can go into the bye week uh, and iron some stuff out and come back. And I actually think the schedule when we come out and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more next week. We could look at the second half of the schedule. I mean, you got an opportunity, right? You're playing the Titans coming out of the bye. You got two weeks to prepare for them. So go beat the Titans. And then you got a couple winnable ones before you get to that tough stretch where you got to go to Baltimore, to Kansas City, right? Like you got the Raiders at home and then Carolina after you come out of the bye and play the play the Titans. So I think if you come out of the bye and beat Tennessee, you get to four and five. It's like then you got the Raiders and the Panthers up up on deck. It's like, okay, we have something brewing here, you know? So I think that's what we're holding on to as fans coming out of the bye. Yeah, they they're still in it. They still got a chance despite the hole they put themselves in. And and that's part of what makes the hole so frustrating because those games they should not have Definitely. dropped yes. that they did. If they hadn't, they'd be in great spot right now. They'd be in a playoff position right now. But like you're saying, because n- there's not many teams running away in the conference, they're still alive. And, you know, that we have seen, like we keep saying, these flashes, these moments. And really the Jaguars game, there was long periods where it wasn't good, but there were also chunks where it was really good. And so I think it I think overall it was a step forward. Even though there were still frustrating elements of the game, overall I think it was a step forward. And like Peyton said, they gotta learn how to win. They did win that game. Like sure it wasn't pretty, but they did win it. So I do think they're taking steps forward. And now with the bye they got more time. And like you said, if if they are able to rattle off a couple wins right after the bye, then you're right back in it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think much of the Jaguars. I think they have a, a lot of talent, but I don't think I don't think much of them. But yes, that's a step forward. Like at the end of the game, Nathaniel Hackett didn't coach scared, John. He went for it on fourth and inches. What was it like? 36 seconds left. You're up four. You could go up seven and the Jags have no timeouts. You could that's the safe play. No. Or you could just go get half a yard and, and win it right now. And, and Nathaniel Hackett took a timeout, thought about it drew up a play and they, and they went out and executed it and they won the game. Like, I mean, that was good. That was good. They ran out the clock. Like he didn't coach scared and, and, and he learned from previous mistakes. Exactly. It was not lining up in shotgun and doing a pass on fourth. And exactly. Inches. Exactly. Right. And we know he loves field goals from back in week one. You know, he loves kicking the <laughs> field goal. So he's learned a little bit. So he didn't coach scared and the, and Wilson and the Broncos put together one of those flashes at the end. And your defense made another play to, to shut it down at the end. So, I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. I mean, it's definitely a step forward. So let's hope that continues. Uh, John, good for you. You're playing hurt. You're tired. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what day it is. You've been traveling around Europe, going through different time zones, right? You, you, I mean, I'm talking to you. It's almost 4 o'clock my time. It's almost 9 o'clock your time. But I'm sure the time zone will change again soon for you. Like, what's next in your travels before we sign off here? Uh, we're going to Venice, and then we're going to Turin, actually, for a soccer game. Uh, we want to see Weston McKinney with Juventus, but now he's hurt. So that that's a bummer that he's hurt, but 
the bonus is they're playing PSG. So we'll see Messi, Mbappé, and Neymar. And NFL fans who couldn't care less about soccer, that will mean nothing. But (laughs) for the crossover fans, to see Messi live uh, in person, I'm pretty excited about that. You're going to see the fans in their element. Sorry to to cut you off, but you're going to see the fans in their element a little bit more at these games. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Um, But yeah, before we sign off, I wanted to give a shout out to on Twitter. He's at Mike B-I-R-T-Y. He's from Manchester. And I met him online on a site called Bronco Talk like 15 years ago in the comments. And like Bronco Talk was actually what kind of sent me down the road of blogging about Broncos and blogging about football. And then I eventually started writing for Bronco Talk. But anyway, so Mike, now he listens to the podcast. You know, he I see him commenting on Broncos Wire's <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we were going to meet up at the, the London game. Um, and I, I did not know that, like, you can't go between the levels of the concourses. Like a lot of stadiums in the U.S., you can go to the different concourse levels. They just won't let you go down if like they'll check your ticket. But at Wembley, we were on a different concourse and I was like, oh, okay, we'll meet you at yours at halftime. And then I went to do it and we couldn't get in there. So I felt bad that I didn't get to meet up with him, but I just wanted to give him a shout out because he's a funny guy on social media and he's also a very nice guy. And that's so refreshing, as you know, on social media with all the people who are angry and grumpy. So just shout out to to Mike and sorry that we missed him. And next time we're back in London, we're going to try to meet up. Yeah. Thanks to Mike for getting John down this path to Broncos wire, because uh, we need you, John, we need you, you know, you do a great, you do great work on the Broncos wire. So shout out to Mike for sure. Uh, John, good luck with the rest of your travels, man, get home safe, but, but enjoy the rest of your vacation. All right. Thanks Ryan. I'll talk to you next week. Maybe we'll have some trades to talk about. Oh man. Yeah. Are the Broncos going to trade Bradley Chubb, Jerry Judy? I, I don't, I don't really want them to, but if they do, John and I will be back to talk about it next week. Of course. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.